You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We're back with more Tapped Out with Brendan Tobin and Sean Levine on the BetQL Network. So they tell me the final four is going down tonight on the basketball court. So coming up in about 20 minutes, we're going to break down with our own bracket. We'll start with 16. We'll work our way to one. Who the best UFC fighter of all time is. But before that, let's bring on once again from BetSided, Reed Wallach here on to Tapped Out. Reed, thanks for joining us, brother. We were just breaking down next week's uh, main call. UFC 273, and there's a lot of underdog money to make. Gilbert Burns, plus 410. Aljamain Sterling, plus 360. The Zombie at plus 540. If you're going to play one of those underdogs, which one looks the tastiest? Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for having me on, as always. And it's funny. I, I feel like everyone's having this debate with themselves. Like, one of these uh, one of these favorites are going to go down of the you know three main uh, build fights. I kind of think Gilbert Burns is the most live of the three just because he has the finishing upside more so than anyone else. But if we're talking the two title fights, I don't, I don't see Sterling or the Korean zombie really having any answers. And to that matter, if Shemaev is as good as people are going to hype him up to me, and I know he hasn't really fought in a while. He's, he's dominated anyone he's faced, but he is expected to roll. I just think that this is a wide number for him over a proven fighter like Burns. I'm not saying I'm going to play Burns just yet, but I do think that there is some finishing upside to him. I think he's what now, like plus 400 or so. That's, that's a crazy number for a guy in Chimaev who is still as good as he is, still a little unproven. If Chimaev wins in impressive fashion, what's next? Are we talking about Usman right away? I mean, if Covington is going to go the Dustin Poirier route, then yeah, I, I, I think that Usman is next for him. I don't, I don't see anyone else in the division that could really hold a candle to, I mean, to me, how I rank the welterweights is Usman, then another tier is Covington, and then another tier is everyone else in Chemayev's there. So yeah, to me, if he rolls over Gilbert Burns, who's number two in the UFC rankings, yeah, I, I don't see any cause for him not to just jump to the front of the line. We are seeing a lot of uh, these hot prospects, hot names, really having great years. You know, Tom Aspinall just steamrolling. Like, what is the thing that when you look at these guys that will finally get you to believe the hype in somebody? Like, what does Hamzad have to do? Or or do you, like, are, are you a guy who kind of buys all into somebody right away? Because it's so little cage time to analyze the guy because they're just whooping everybody so bad. Yeah, I'm typically the fade the trendy prospect type. Chemayev, I think, is a little bit different, but just for example, like Chris Dawkins, he started this, I, I think it was, that, it was December of 2021, he was favored over Derek Lewis, which I thought was like crazy. That was like one of the worst lines I've ever seen ever because 
what, what has Chris Donkis done to deserve to be favored over Derek Lewis, who has his flaws, but at least he's a veteran. So I'm not saying this is the same exact case with Chemayev, but again, like I'm not rushing to lay minus 500 on a guy who has fought what, like very limited ring time, has just ragdolled a bunch of, you know, middle to low class um, welterweights before. Um, now he's getting Gilbert Burns, who's a professional. He's been in a title fight before. Why can't Gilbert Burns be game to get a quick submission or something? Jemaya doesn't have that experience, so I always lean towards fade trendy prospects over just blindly bet these guys because they've destroyed everyone so far because typically it's because of competition and so poor. I got paid on the Black Beast that night. Easy money. Reed yeah, Wallet from Betside joining us here on the BetQL Network. Let's work our way up the card. What's Aljamain Sterling's path to victory over Piotr Jan? I don't really see one. I will ref- – this might be like me putting blinders on, but I – one of my favorite bets, I think, since I started betting on the UFC was Peter Jan minus 120 last year against Aljamain Sterling. I thought the line was ludicrous. I thought this is about to be easy money on Jan, who I think is legit. I don't really buy Sterling. All I, I couldn't say enough. It was an easy winner. And obviously it looked like that for the first 20 minutes of the fight. And then he just completely tees off on Sterling and gets DQ'd. I lose my bet. So I will, out of like just my own self-respect, not bet on Aljamain Sterling because obviously now the line is so much crazier. <laughs> I can't just like lay it with Jan. But I listen, if Sterling can get this to the mat, he is a fantastic uh, grappler. He has some submission upside. But Jan has him covered everywhere. He's so technically sound. He has the jab working. I, Sterling has been battling injuries also. Jan has been active. I, I think Jan here, again, minus 500 might be like a little crazy, but it's mainly because who wants to bet Sterling? We just saw this fight last year, and he got, so, he got beat so bad. Every, like, I understand Sterling is technically the champ, but everyone knows what happened. You know, We don't live under a rock. So I, I don't really see much for Sterling. If you're looking at it, I would rather say take like an early round submission victory. I don't like if this goes deep. Jan has a crazy gas thing. He'll just win by decision. So, and I think he's going to look really forward to beating him up again. So, I like Jan here. I don't really see much betting value though. Uh, flipping on to the main event with Volkanovski and Korean Zombie. So, like, I want to get thought, Reed, What do you think of Volkanovski just as a champion? Like, so much of it is tied to the Max Holloway rivalry, controversial decisions. Maybe you thought it went one way or the other in either fight, whatever. But, you know, this was supposed to be another Holloway fight. Holloway has to pull out, so they go Korean Zombie. Do you think that this is an important fight for Volkanovski to continue to, to build that legacy? And is he too favored in this one? Like, are we buying too much into a guy who isn't necessarily a finisher? Um, I, I like Volkanovski here, obviously. Again, I, I wish I had, like, this, this card I'm really looking forward to, but I just, from a betting value, it's so tough because, yeah, I think Volkanovski is going to roll here. I think he's going to just take care of business, it's going to be a workman-like win. And to me, how I look at champions is you just got to win, right? Like, I know competition, it's not – I mean, the featherweight, I don't want to say it's a shallow weight class, but, I mean, Volkanovski just destroyed Brian Ortega the last time out. I understand Holloway is kind of the only person in his class. It kind of feels a little bit like Usman at this point, but you got to give credit to Volkanovski. The guy goes out there and performs and he wins. Because that, that's the point, right? Like, you just have to – you win. That, like, you're, you're paid to go out there and defend your title, and that's what he's going to do. So I know it's not like Volkanovski not like the sexy finisher, highlight-driven fighter, but he's so talented. He's so technically sound. And I think Korean, uh, Korean Zombie, he's kind of out of his realm here. 
I haven't been high on him the last few fights anyway. So I think this is just going to be workmanlike for Volkanovski, get him in the ring, and I don't even know who's next up. I just think this is a really kind of up-and-flux featherweight class. I guess Holloway just gets another crack at him. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. That fight that you talk about, Reed, versus Ortega, I mean, Ortega almost popped his head off there for a second. Remember, it turned purple. But you're right. Like, ultimately, it was a one-sided fight uh, yeah. for, for uh, Volkanovski. It was kind of like the Khabib Poirier fight where, like, look, man, he had a, he had his neck for a second there, although the rest of the fight he was getting absolutely dominated. So it is kind of interesting. Let's talk about some guys who we think are, fingers crossed, knock on wood, toes crossed, going to come back and actually get in the octagon this year. First, Conor McGregor, and then we'll work our way to John Jones. What fight, now that we're getting seemingly you know, closer to seeing Connor come back, is starting to make the most sense to you? Because there's a million that there could be. Yeah, we actually, on our fan-sided MMA show, Jab Crosshook, we spoke about who we see. You know, we took this week to kind of look at, like, the macro of all the title picture, all the uh, belts, and say, what at the end of 2022, who's going to hold all these championships? And I threw out there that I think McGregor's going to be the lightweight champ at the end of the year, kind of like to stir the pot and like see what kind of reaction I get from my co-host, sure. Amy Kaplan, Ian McMillan. But I see Oliveira's time as champion coming to an end in the next several months. I just think that while I think he's incredibly talented, he's fighting a finisher in Justin Gaethje. And then I think that Connor's going to be the next in line. I see all these lightweight guys tying themselves up. And to me, Connor always gets to jump to the front of the line. If he's in shape and if Poirier is going to go fight Colby Covington, I think Connor just slides in there and takes on Oliveira. He's kind of planted the seeds already. And why can't Connor come in in great shape, look like a champion, and finish Charlie, Charles Oliveira in the first round if they were to every fight, or Justin Gaethje for that matter? So I think Connor, he's going to get a crack at the belt, I think, sooner or later, just because that's the fight to make. Everyone wants to root for Connor. And then, honestly, if he loses that, though, I could see him retiring and just riding off to the sunset. Like one last shot at a payday big check and see what happens with Connor, get some steam around that championship belt. What did you make then of him uh, kind of calling out Usman recently? Like, do you think, cause he, he does look bulky. Like I'm sure he's not doing much cardio with the broken leg and all that type of stuff, but my man is looking swole. So I don't know how much that 155 cuts going to be uh, 
going to be how, how much he's going to be able to wear that. So, do you Listen, think that I, Connor can still be effective at 155, or do you, or, or or is there any party that does believe like maybe maybe welterweight is the move? Reed, I think oh, it would no, be Usman one and done. Just my thoughts. I yeah. think it would be quick on the side of Usman. Yeah, Usman would roll him over. I I don't even know if Connor is. They, he's looked washed his past two times. Obviously, he got hurt against Poirier in the first round. So I don't even know how to really size up Connor. I just think that he's best suited that lightweight because, listen, if he's going to fight Usman, who is just, in my opinion, significantly better than Oliveira, obviously we're talking weight class, but like pound for pound, Usman is just incredibly durable and incredibly physical. Oliveira is more of the finishing type, so I think that there's more, there's a better chance that Connor can finish Oliveira in a lightweight title fight than there is. Uzman in a welterweight title fight, if that makes sense. So I don't know if you saw earlier today, John Jones was back at it on Twitter, and he said that he's not ready to fight now, but perhaps June or July. Let's say that that's true. In the case of John, that's obviously always completely up in the air. <laughs> Who do you think makes the most sense for his comeback fight? I, I think it's probably got to be Stipe. He's got to prove that he could fight a heavyweight. Obviously, this massive layoff. I think he has to prove he could fight at this weight class before he gets, like, and in Ganu or Gan, I think Gan still kind of gets a leg up as like the number one contender against Nganu. But obviously, Nganu with a knee surgery, why not a Miocic John Jones fight? I think you could hype that. You could build that fight really well. And then winner gets either jumps Gan in line or fights Gan for a number one contender shot. That could maybe even another interim title shot. And then you get Nganu. What is that? Now you're looking at next winter, a year layoff. I think that makes a lot of sense. I kind of just did that really quickly in my head and spit it out, but you guys give me feedback. How does that sound? I'll be matchmaker here. I like it. I like it. We were talking about this uh, at the start of the show. Like, what do you think the odds look like for that, for, for a Stipe John Jones fight? Like, do you think, do you think Stipe is the favorite? Do you think John's the slight favorite? Do you think it's Pigham? What, what do you think? How do you think that would shake out? Because I feel like against a lot of the young guys, like any of these young bucks with John, I feel like John's going to be a heavy favorite, but Stipe mm-hmm. feels like the most even odds wise for us. I would make Stipe a slight favorite, like minus 130, minus 140 against John. I, I, I think like slight favorite, and I'd probably bet I'd probably bet Stipe, yeah. I, I think I'd bet Stipe. Just again, this is a guy that's you know arguably the most decorated heavyweight um, ever, or at least in recent has, history before Nganu came over and now looks like a titan. But again, you're, put, you're throwing John Jones right to the wolves for sure. I'm with you there. Like, I think that the money would come in heavy for John. Can you imagine all the people that are like, what, John Jones is an underdog? They would go running to the window. Ultimately, the people who had Stipe tickets would cash him. So I'm with you there. Before you get out of here, you were talking about Connor's comeback, and you said that he'd be fighting Oliveira. So do you think that Gaethje has any chance to take out Charlie Olives when we finally see that fight? Yeah, you know, I actually, because um, a few of these books have, like, odds out for that fight, so I, I started to think about it. Obviously, I haven't bet anything yet. I do think Gaethje has some upside in this fight. Again, this guy is tough as nails. He has such finishing upside. And only there really puts himself in dangerous situations all the time. But we've seen Gaethje against elite grapplers really struggle, like against Khabib, obviously. And I'm not sure if Gaethje... Is going to hold up. I'm probably, like I did with Oliveira, Dustin, probably going to end up looking at like an Oliveira live bet or an Oliveira like inside the distance. But I definitely think Gaethje's pretty live. I, I think if I remember correctly, I looked at Oliveira, he's like minus 140, minus 150, Gaethje's slight underdog. Yeah. So the line's pretty tight for sure. And I wouldn't be shocked at all if Gaethje were to win. I think that sounds about right. But in the end, Oliveira's grappling might end up being kind of that, um, 
that um, defining edge in that matchup. Great stuff. Senior editor from Betside, Reed Wallach, joining us here once again on Tapped Out. Give us a lot to chew on, man. We love your insight. We'll bring you on again soon. Thanks, Reed. All right. Thanks, guys. The thing that caught my attention, BT, was when he said that right when Connor comes back, he fights for the belt. Man, does he still get that kind of privilege? Like, the last couple of times we've seen him, he does not look like Conor McGregor. And mm-hmm. I don't know that there's going to be as much interest that there was, even against Poirier last time out. And I'm talking about pay-per-view money. Well, this is the thing that's weird about it, is that, don't forget, the reason that Charles Oliveira got to fight for the championship is because they would not make Dustin Poirier who was very deserving of fighting for the title. Right. They wouldn't make him versus Connor for the belt, which kind of seems silly because you're like, this is where you draw the line. Like, so yeah. Dustin basically had to choose between payday or championship shot. And so it would be a little bit weird that now they would go back on it. But the UFC has no rhyme or reason for this. I think one of the things that probably makes them nervous is like, all right, we have to get Connor in the cage. How do you do that? He's got all this money that comes from outside mixed martial arts. So maybe it is. I'm only coming back if I fight for a title. And then the UFC says, all right, how strong are we on this? Do we want Connor to fight or not? That's why you do Nate three right away. Because then even if Connor loses, like, I feel like, well, maybe that would retire him now that I think about it. Man, now that I think about it, whoever he comes back against, he's probably going to be an underdog and he's probably going to lose the fight. And then it's like, oh, damn, our biggest superstars from a couple of years ago, all of a sudden, I don't know what we do with them. So. I don't know. Maybe you bring back out Donald Cerrone and have them run it back just so he can beat somebody. All right, coming up next, we've been looking forward to this all week. It is the final four tonight. We're going to get there when it comes to UFC fighters. We'll start with the Sweet 16, get you an Elite Eight, break it down to four, and give the best UFC fighter of all time. Coming up next right here on the Bet QL Network.